Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You speakers meeting. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Sunday, March 31st, 2013, and the share code for Friday, March 29th, is 4184. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Du to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. It's Du, um, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. 12 steps. 1. We admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. <clears throat> 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever, when, wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. With that, I pass. Thank you, Do. And I will now call on Melanie to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, 
to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group I'd never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Melanie. Our whole journey through the steps takes us to step 12. Step 12 says, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Here this morning to carry this message of recovery and share her experience, strength, and hope with all of us is Irini. Good morning to you, Irini. Good morning, Leah, and thank you so much. Am I being heard well? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. I call you spiritual siblings because this is a spiritual program. I will share with you the root cause of my problem, not so much on my symptoms and my solution to recovery. My name is Irene in English, but the name and her character never served me. In Greek, my name is Irini. It means peace. But I was always in chaos and in self-destructive mode. I was always full of anger. How dare I be giving a name that meant peace until this program came into my life? and I realized that my purpose is. My journey began to find inner peace, and I found it. And to share it with the world, wow, what a concept, what a blessing, what a transformation, and what a miracle. I became very grateful just a year ago today when I became recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Before my recovery, I would attend meetings and show my frustration and irritability when I heard people share that they were grateful for their disease. I was mortified. I didn't want to be grateful for my disease. I didn't want my disease. But I later understood that it's my compulsive overeating that brought me here with you today. Going through the 12 steps helped me develop a personal relationship with God, who then transformed me into the person he intended me to be, peaceful, loving, accepting. Wow. So I have to thank God for what he has given me. I am very grateful for a loving heart, a sound mind, and a peaceful spirit. He does for me what I could never, ever do for myself. When I, first, when I was first asked to share my story, I swallowed hard, held my breath, and said, yes. I knew the right thing was to accept the invitation. I don't usually speak up, but I knew I had to. 
I need to share my story to do service and to help myself come out of my comfort zone so I can grow, but mostly to illustrate what God is doing in my life today. All I needed was to continue to trust and rely on God to help me to face yet another fear of mine. I stepped away from my fear, and I am standing here with God beside me and with all of you today. So what was it like? I was born and raised in New York City. I am the youngest of three. Both of my parents came from Greece. They were excellent cooks and bakers. They taught us to believe in God, get a good education, and have a good value system. Just like any other family, we had our problems, struggles, and challenges. My parents were always busy working around the clock to support the family. I was the mover and shaker of the family. I was that tornado that roared through all of our lives. I was Hurricane Irene described as a large and very destructive tropical cyclone that affected all my loved ones. When I was little, my grandmother was my only stability and gave me unconditional love. She died when I was five years old, and that is when my world collapsed. My dependency was gone. After that, I grew up as a very unhappy little girl, but I never understood why. It was until I had gone through many years of therapy and numerous examinations as an adult that I was diagnosed with cognition problems, which means I have problems with the way I process information. In addition, I have lesions around my brain that may disable me from using my brain properly. I was diagnosed with PTSD and mood disorders, depression, and anxiety. For nearly half a century, my life was ruled by negative thoughts. The unmanageability of my life surfaced before my eating behavior started. I had trouble processing information in school, reading a book, or watching a movie. The biggest fear was when I was asked questions, finding words to respond was my biggest struggle, hoping my mind wouldn't shut down. I was always frustrated, irritated, and confused. The anxiety took over. I still have this fear. It has lessened, but I'm still working on it. I had no confidence, I never felt safe, and was very often criticized. I somehow managed to have friends, yet I felt very alone and very, very isolated amongst them. It was a very scary place for a little girl as my such as me that I wasn't able to connect with my family, peers, and neighbors. I was restless, irritable, and discontented, and I acted out all of my emotions. I had a lot of rage screaming at the top of my lungs most of the time because that is what gave me a release of my feelings. I wasn't capable of putting words to my feelings, so I acted them out. I was a prisoner drying in my thoughts, constantly emotionally beating myself up to where sometimes I couldn't breathe. I was full of negative energy, out of control, and I took everybody else with me on that emotional roller coaster ride. No one ever taught me what to do with these feelings. No one ever told me how to get off of this roller coaster. There was no ending to this ride. On top of that, I had a nervous disposition, and it seemed that I was on speed. I used to talk so quickly that no one ever understood what I was saying. All my problems were blown out of proportion. I allowed my emotions to get out of control and became trapped in the drama that I created. I needed some kind of ease and comfort, okay? So I started watching I Love Lucy, brought laughter into my life. Watching and listening to Elvis Presley brought love, excitement, and passion in my heart. And listening to the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow brought me hope as a child. 
But these were all escapes, once again, depending on exterior things to give me that ease and comfort to quiet those voices in my head because I couldn't bear their loud cries anymore. And that's when the eating began. As a young girl, I wasn't interested in most food, but I would search throughout the apartment for my mom's homemade cookies. She would hide them from us, but I would find them and eat them. I would eat my siblings' chocolate Easter bunnies and save mine for later and not share at all with them. Yes, I loved sweets, and they loved me back. I started my sweet relationship with sugar at an early age. I found another dependency. Then I got possessed by my eating disorder. One day, I found myself squatting in front of the fridge, grabbing whatever food I got my hands onto and stuffing it down my throat, not chewing, but inhaling the food and getting sick to my stomach as if I hadn't eaten in weeks. When I got up from my knees, holding my stomach, feeling so sick and hysterically crying, I realized right then and there that there was something very wrong with me. I was in total disarray. What came over me? What had possessed me? Who was that? I was 10 years old. I felt lost, alone, and I was scared. My thoughts gave birth to a monster within me. This monster was tearing my insides apart, that I needed something to calm it down, to make it go away, so I turned to food. It was bigger than life, and I used it to escape from the voices that were killing me internally. I tried finding opportunities to binge so that I could calm down. My father used to tease me, saying, you like eating in secrecy, don't you? Yes. I was a closet eater. I was ashamed and embarrassed of my behavior. When I was 16, I went to Greece for two months. My, my aunt had made me homemade ice cream. When there was no one around, I would sneak into her freezer and quickly gobble up all the ice cream before anyone would come into the kitchen, as if they didn't notice the next day who had eaten all the ice cream. I devoured it along with all other Greek pastries, and then went out and bought more. I felt so guilty and disgusted. One of the sweets that I also indulged in was a jar of vanilla. It was made of pure solid sugar. The way you're supposed to eat it is you scoop a teaspoon of it and you put it into a glass of water and you lick it. What I did was take a tablespoon and just eat it straight from the jar into the basan. My relatives couldn't believe it. They were in total shock that I devoured a jar of pure sugar without diluting it in one sitting. They were teasing me and laughing at me. They watched my body expand in those two months. This is where I started to wear my disease. My problems started to show. I gained 30 pounds. When I went back home, my family didn't recognize me. My mother opened the door and her jaw dropped, saying, oh my gosh, you're not my daughter. What happened to you? I was considered robust, voluptuous, pleasantly plumb, full-figured, but please, don't judge the book by its cover. The weight I carried in my head, no one saw but my family. They felt it. They experienced it. They witnessed it. I was out of control, as if I was possessed by a demon. I was like a ticking bomb, not knowing when I would go off. That's when the diets began and the yo-yo weight never ended. The diets and exercise managed my weight. The food managed my thoughts. In college, I would live on apples, coffee, and cigarettes. I starved myself in order to binge on certain days. I was a runway model. I would binge at the beginning of the week knowing I would be measured at the end of the week by the fashion designer. They would scratch their heads trying to figure out how it was possible to gain so many inches within a week. 
All I could do is the same motion with the food from my hand into my mouth until I got sick to my stomach. I tried to throw up, but it wasn't in me to do that kind of behavior. It was as if I was possessed, and my, ha- and my hand had a brain of its own. This was the phenomenon of craving. My body was screaming for more, and my mind was saying, enough already. The allergy had manifested itself, and I couldn't stop eating. Then, when I had a period of time not binging at all, and my body had calmed down, my mind would start screaming, pick up the food. Oh, come on. It's, you know, you've been so good. You deserve it. That was the obsession of the mind. Promising never to binge again <clears throat> and repeating the same pattern over and over again. How many times am I going to do this kind of behavior? I didn't know many things growing up, but I knew there was something very wrong with me when it came to eating sugar and junk food. I couldn't stop once I started. And the way I ate was as if I was in a race or there was going to be a shortage of food or I ate as if I haven't eaten in weeks. It didn't make sense. I felt crazy, embarrassed, and horrible. I was, I was controlled by the food. It had a hold on me. I was under its spell. I was totally powerless. When I was 18, I wanted to join the Army just because I knew I had to be disciplined. I knew I needed to be disciplined with my behavior of acting out and how I ate. Every time I would pass a mirror, I would make a face and say, I'm so ugly, crazy, and dumb. I wanted to die. So for a number of years, I seemed to once again keep the weight off, but the weight in my head got heavier and heavier. I loved ice cream and I was a chocolate-holic, so I tried eating as much as I could, thinking I would get so sick of eating so much of it that I wouldn't want it anymore. But of course, that didn't work. In my 30s, when I was a mom, I was encouraged to sell my Greek pastries because I was always baking. I hoped to start a small business, but one day I ate almost half a tray of baklava. I just started putting it in my mouth piece by piece, shoving it down my throat until the syrup would drip down my chin and hands. Tears running down my cheeks. I would cry hysterically, stop it, stop eating, I'm getting sick. And I couldn't stop. I was on autopilot until I was ready to throw up, and I couldn't even do that. But eating was not my real problem. It didn't really matter what was going into my mouth, whether it was food, cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, or biting my nails, or whether I had an anorexic body, a normal body weight, or was overweight. We shouldn't judge my book by its cover. It's what's inside the book that was the problem. What I possessed was a committee in my head, absorbed by self-centeredness. That was the root of my problem. It was more about what was coming out of my mind than what was going into my mouth. From a young age, I expected to be taken care of, and I carried that expectation into my adulthood. I felt I was privileged for others to take care of me. I felt that because I struggled with everything in life. I deserved to be taken care of. I resented everyone because... Things seemed to come so easy to them. I often played the blaming game. I would hold on to all of my pain and I would replay my story in my head over and over again of how broken I am. I would explode and blow up at my family. I became good at what I practiced, emotional assassination. 
What saved me from a while was having friends. I depended on them for my happiness. I was wearing my mask for the public, and when I went home, I took off the mask, and that monster came out. Little did I know it would collapse again because I depended on others to feel to feel the emptiness that I had within. I was living a double life. On the outside, I was bubbly and friendly. They used to call me giggles and cuddles. My mask was on. I was the performer, no, nodding my head, always agreeing with them, and not always understanding everything that they were telling me. I was the actor. I projected this well-put-together person, but on the inside, I was dying and suffering. I lived in darkness and felt lost, always searching to find a way out. I thought it looked like an attractive, yummy, red, delicious apple that everyone wanted. But once you bite into it, watch out. You'll see all the worms crawling through what was really a rotten apple. I was eating not because I was physically hungry. It was my thoughts and emotions that were starving. And I needed that ease and comfort. I ate for the effect that it gave me. So I came into this world with a blessing and a curse. You might say I had a split personality. I was a kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. My split personality is described in this story. A story is full of fear and hope. The story goes, one evening an old grandfather told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside of people. He said, my son, the battle is between two worlds inside us all. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, Resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which won't win? The grandfather simply replied, the one you feed. So which did I feed and take care of and listen to for nearly half a century? I fed the bad one. It all came, it it is all in my head that was a negativity that leaked into my thoughts that went right straight to my body. In 1990, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. Today it is called fibromyalgia. To treat all of my symptoms, I put on my, they put me on various medications. It was an overload on my body and my mind, and I had to find a way out. So what happened? I was 48 years old, still trying to manage my yo-yo weight. I once <clears throat> again entered a wave program. The speaker announces with enthusiasm, oh, there's a new chocolate bar on the market. We can have half the bar that equals just a few points. That's when I jumped out out of my seat and I shouted out, I just can't have half of anything. I can't stop once I start. Oh, my gosh. I totally embarrassed myself. That was the last day in that program. Even though they taught me how to eat three meals a day, even though they taught me about portion control, even though they taught me about balanced meals, I still needed something more, for it wasn't working for me. I started to gain my weight back. I couldn't go through this yo-yo emotional eating once again. I told someone that I'd 
felt like an addict and I couldn't control my eating. She told me about Overeaters Anonymous. I had no idea what that was. I rushed home and I looked it up. I went to my first meeting on March 9, 2007. I entered a pack room of about 75 people and I sat in the back next to the entrance. I didn't introduce myself. I just listened. Oh, well, here I go again, not comprehending what I hear. I heard the word abstinent. I associated that with sex. Oops, was I in the right place? Then when I started to hear stories, I sank in my seat. Oh, my God, they're talking about me. I was so embarrassed. I felt naked in that room. I felt so ashamed. My closet personality was being exposed to the words of others. My cover was being revealed. I felt there was a spotlight on me and everybody was staring at me. I did such a good job hiding from the public and now I had to be found. I didn't know what to do. Then the person in front of me turned around and it was an acquaintance. I started to blush even more out of embarrassment. She warmly welcomed me and she offered to be my sponsor. She said she would get me started on the program. I didn't know what that meant, but I accepted. Well, I was very blessed because she was exactly what I needed at the time. She was very spiritual, and I connected with that. She stayed with me for six months. I was told to read the big book. I tried, but I wasn't getting it. I closed the book right away, and I put it on my shelf. I didn't understand what I needed to read, why I needed to read Alcoholics Anonymous, for I don't drink. I eat. I needed Eating Anonymous. I immediately got abstinent and worked the program through the OA literature. I got up to step four, and then my sponsor suggested that I find another sponsor. After all, she did commit to just get me started. I had many other sponsors since the honeymoon of being abstinent, but that was soon over. It took me a year after crying at every meeting for me to just lift my head and make eye contact with others. I started slowly to introduce myself, asking the group kindly not to repeat my name. I couldn't deal with the attention. I still felt naked and exposed to my shameful hitting this personality. I threw myself into the program, and I really got into reading the literature. I would read OA and journal a lot. I stayed in the rooms, and I kept on hearing abstinence is the most important thing, and that this is the last house on the block. I was always guided by my intuition. Something was, wasn't clicking. I felt that there was one more house on the block to visit. It was a, almost two years ago, I joined the phone meeting that so spoke to me that grabbed my heart and didn't let go. They spoke to my spirit in such a way that I was so thirsted for. Through their passion, a lifeline was thrown to me. I was pulled into their boat. I joined their fellowship. I found my support. I heard what I needed. I heard recovery. I heard the most important thing is God. Wow, what a revelation. I heard the truth. I arrived home. I was so excited. I introduced myself the first day I got into the meeting, which is something I never had done before. The group that impacted my life are the people on this very phone line. They spoke of a retreat coming up in a couple of weeks. I knew I had to go. But how? They were already booked. Not knowing how I would get there, I sent my money and committed to go. I once again followed my intuition. I had no transportation. I knew no one. And then I didn't have a room to stay. And how was I going to leave my kids? But I just knew I had to go. 
God gave me everything that I needed for me to go on to this retreat, and so I did. Everything came together for me. I asked one of the people who spearheaded the retreat that I needed a sponsor, for I knew nothing and I knew no one. They smiled and pointed to a person. I went right up to her and simply asked if she would be my sponsor. This was my second miracle. She is a big book thumper, and watch out, Mama. She meant real business. Every morning, I would listen to the phone meetings where I would uh, probably be nurturing my mind and heart. I called my sponsor every day exactly on time and listened to my sponsor, whatever she had told me. I did not resist or defy. I was very willing to go to any length, for I wanted what she had, recovery. I chose to do the work, and then I had to implement everything I was learning. She took me through a journey of taking the first step, which is the bedrock of my abstinence that was built. I did a lot of soul-searching, of being honest with myself and looking at all the areas in my life, relationships with myself, with others, and with God. My thought process, my behaviors, and my reality. I was learning who and what I am. I then took my big book off of the shelf and I started to read it. Between the sponsor, the phone line, and the recordings, the big book started to come alive for me. I was identifying with what I was reading and listening to it. I got excited reading the book. That's because I was reading about Irene. For half a year, I lost my abstinence several times. I had to restart with step one each time because I obviously didn't take step one 100%. I had to understand what my problem was, that I had a twofold disease. First, an allergy of the body. Once I ate the foods that triggered me, my body shouted out for more, and there was no ending. My mind said, stop, I'm getting sick to my stomach, but my body was on autopilot. That was not stopping. My body was out of control. Then I had a bigger problem, and that was the obsession of the mind. This is how I lost my abstinence. When I was following my food plan, my body was calm. It wasn't asking for food, but the roles then switched. And now my mind was shouting out to pick up the food. Now it was my mind that was out of control. This is when I was most vulnerable. The food is down, and all my emotions went up. I was feeling more restless, more irritable, and more discontented because I didn't have my drug to calm me down. I had to take step one 100%. I had to concede in my innermost being 100%. I needed to have the death of food. I had to sever my feelings from the food. I had to disconnect myself from triggers. I, had, I was no longer was able to entertain the concept of delicious. For me, my triggers that were once delicious crossed the line to seeing them as rat poison. I needed to separate, to divorce the romance I was having with the food. The food was no longer my sex partner. It had a new purpose, a new job, a new meaning, and that is to nurture my body. Just as a baby food for the baby and dog food for the dog, I had my food and my family had theirs, although now they're starting to eat and enjoy my food. Then I had to look at my behaviors around food. A big trigger for me was standing or watching TV while I was eating. I had to train myself to eat at the table with no distractions. Picking while preparing my food, well, I had to stop doing that. Chewing while holding the fork next to my mouth for the next bite. I had to put the fork down while I chewed the food. 
and I had to look at the clock because I was eating too quickly. I had to slow down and take 20 minutes to eat because this is how long our brains take to realize that we've had enough. So I had to change many behaviors. To really understand step one is to be honest and admit that I am powerless. And because I am powerless, my whole life was unmanageable. My insanity was trying to control what cannot be controlled. The allergy of the body triggered me to binge. Then the obsession of the mind was possessing me into taking the first bite. This is the powerlessness and unmanageability in my life. Knowing I cannot help myself gave me hope to the one who has power and can deliver me from self-bondage. The problem was I had to let go of the idea that my compulsive overeating was more powerful than God. I first had to learn this, and then I had to apply it. I was able to have an open mind and heart to receive new ideas that replaced my old ones, to be mindful with all of my behaviors, to change my way of thinking to God's way of thinking by only listening to his voices over all other voices. I needed a power greater than myself that can save me from drowning in craziness. I needed help in putting an end to my creation of misery. And for me, that power, that help is God. It's making that shift, focusing on God and no longer on food. It's God that is going to restore me to sanity and not the food. I needed to, I needed to, there's a distraction on the line. Somebody mute, please. I needed to start focusing and living in the solution and no longer the problem, which was self. I always thought once I got married, I would be completed, but I depended on my husband to complete me. Yes, I put a lot of pressure on my husband. He is truly a godsend. He does give me unconditional love, but the truth is even that wasn't enough. I still felt incomplete. I needed something more. What I needed was a personal relationship with God. I needed to get to know him personally. I had to believe to have faith that God is everything, that he is 100% power and that I am 100% powerless. I came to believe that God can do for me what I could never do for myself. I put my faith into action. I am the child and he is the father. I had to move out of my way and obey him because my way got me into these rooms. It wasn't working for me. The root of my problem was self-centeredness. I gave all power to my ego, which took charge and also took me on that emotional roller coaster ride. I continued to practice new behaviors. Now that I realize that I am a child of God and that he loves me unconditionally, I needed to start accepting and loving myself. For many months, I would get up in the morning and I had to force myself to smile in the mirror and greet myself saying, good morning, beautiful, and then I love you. I took a glass of water that was half-filled and placed it on my table so that when I woke up in the morning, the first thing I saw reminded me that the glass is half-filled and not half-empty, that it is going to be a good day that God is working in my life. I placed a cross on, an, on my alarm so that when the alarm went off, I would reach for God each morning until it was wired into me, until it became a good habit that I focused on God and not on my negative thoughts. I had to pause and act out the opposite from the negative thoughts I had been waking up with. So I first had to have the death of food. Then I had to change my thoughts that I can go 
through a red light and think it's green and not get the consequence to get hurt? Now I needed the death of self. I needed God to quiet my ego so I could totally surrender self to him. Thy will not mine be done this way. I can become the person God intended me to be. I had to accept his help. I had to have courage and humility to see who I really am, to see how my behavior was and how it could be. By turning my will over, I surrender all my problems into God's hands, and I make sure not to take them back. Once I was able to do this, I was willing and able to change my old ways, my old thoughts and attitudes. I had an open mind and heart to new ways of living. I let go and let God do his work in me. To be able to accept my past and to ask forgiveness for all my behaviors that harmed myself and others. I asked God to remove my shortcomings. I was being disciplined by God and becoming unblocked by the light of his spirit. I had to search for his light. Wherever I saw his light, I had to go to it, to feel it, to bathe in it, to taste it, until I became part of his light. When I was holding on to resentments, I was living in the past and replaying my story. It kept me angry and irritable. I prayed the resentment prayer for months until that resentment was lifted. I was working the steps, not just reading them, but really living them. I slowly started to live in the present. I kept on practicing different behaviors that brought me closer to God. I made a decision not to revisit the past once I dealt with it. Did I want to continue to suffer or to forgive, which was the key in releasing me and setting me free from the past? This enabled me to live in the present. I had to do the same for living in the future that had totally consumed me with fear. I had to shift gears, not to visit places where God isn't there. I was tired of my heart being weighed down by something that hasn't even happened. I needed to take care of myself and be responsible for my actions, to see who I have harmed and what my part was in harming everyone and asking for their forgiveness. I had to make amends for my inappropriate behavior. Then I had to show everyone that I meant it by performing acts of kindness. Love and tolerance became my code of conduct. To maintain this beautiful state I was now in, this renewal of the mind, body, and spirit, I had to watch my steps, and when I did wrong, to take care of it right away. There was no more delaying or avoiding what I had to do. It was no longer making decisions based on how I felt. It was a new era for me to do the right thing, to be responsible and take action. It was principles over personalities. It was a God-centered way of living. Oh, I was growing up. God has changed me from self-will run riot to what he intended me to be by working the 12 steps and practicing the principles in all my affairs. The weight of the obsession of the mind has been lifted, and I am so grateful to be free of it. I feel so much lighter, and I can breathe so much better. I never want to let go of his hand, so I continue to improve my conscious contact with him through prayer and meditation. But because I am only human, I do let go at times, which makes me feel uncomfortable, so I grab hold onto his hand once again. I will do the best to do his will, to take personal inventory, to share my experience, strength, and hope, and to pass on the gift that I so gratefully received. So my sponsor says now, okay, it's time. It's time for you to sponsor. 
I hesitated, swallowed hard, and I resisted. I didn't think I was ready or even capable of sponsoring with my learning disability. I can't retain information. How am I going to explain things to others? She said, you're right. You can't do it on your own. Just trust in God and rely on him, and he will help you. What it's like today. Wow. This year I turned 54. Is it odd or is it God that I was asked to speak at this specific time, my one-year anniversary of being gratefully recovered? I am so honored I can share and celebrate this special time with all of you. I found a way out, and thank you, God, for that. Today I have been transformed. I changed. I have shifted and stepped out and away from a life of pain and misery that I had created. I have chosen something different, a life of peace, happiness, joy, and freedom. My new way of living is a process of change with a new attitude towards life. I feel connected to a higher power, others, and myself. I have good relations with my family. I am reunited with my siblings, which we were once in feud and didn't speak for years, and I get along with others. The obsession of the mind has been removed. So I am not cured, but God is managing my symptoms by helping me stay abstinent, working the steps, and enlarging my spiritual life. My compulsive overeating and my fibromyalgia are in submission. Wow. I no longer take meds or go to therapists for my depression and anxiety, and the feeling of being broken has been lifted. I don't even have allergies anymore. I don't have panic attacks. My heart rate no longer fluctuates, but has a steady beat, except when I'm dancing and I'm in bliss. What I do have is a healthy balance of mind, body, and spirit. This has brought a new meaning and purpose to my life. This all came from having faith and hope and believing that I can do this and overcome my challenges with the help of God and the support of my fellows, family, and friends. I was empowered to become the person God intended me to be. I live in surrendering my life, acceptance, and gratitude. I walk free from compulsive, abusive, destructive thoughts. Wow. God has enabled me to live in the moment and enjoy the present. Each morning, I am given this beautiful present. I unwrap it and I use it. It's a gift from God and I treasure it. My present to God each day is to live in gratitude and live in his light. I feel him, I sense him, I think him, and I'm still getting to know him. Wow. I have his light at my feet, lighting my path with every step I take, and I hold on to his hand, guiding me which way to go. If I let go of his hand, the lights disappear, and I am in complete darkness, not knowing which way to go, and having all my emotions attack me. Makes me feel very uncomfortable, unsafe, and unguarded. This is where self lives, and I try not to visit there often. God is now my inner source, the main power of my whole life, the power that grounds me. Every morning I plug myself into the greatest generator that guarantees the power that I need to survive each and every day, and I live a very rich life. My heart is overfilled with warmth and my spirit is so alive with joy. His unconditional love floods me with his light and warms and comforts me more than a husband, a child, a friend, 
a wood-burning stove. Today I have serenity and not chaos. I am the soul that smiles, that resides in the midst of the storm, that places me in his safe harbor and comforts me as long as I don't let go of his hand. I learned how to dance in the rain. Wow! My mother, a lady of prayer, taught me that God comes first before anyone or anything. I remember asking her as a child, would you put God in front of your own children? And her response was, yes. At the time, I didn't understand that, but today I so understand that. Because without God, I would have nothing. No breath, no recovery, no family. Today, I can be grateful for the good as well as the bad in my life. Why? Because in the bad, I can always find good. This is how I grow spiritually. It is through my trials and tribulations that I figured out how to begin to put the pieces of the puzzle of my life together to get the full picture. I am still working on my pieces, but at least I have the four corners and the frame put together, and I have the main visual, and that is God. This is the blessing. This is my recovery, a change of mind and heart. I now is blessed with spiritual eyes and seeing what God wants me to see. I am now awake and aware and see my purpose in life, for I have been truly transformed. What a miracle. From ugliness to beauty, so grateful for this change of heart and mind. Today, this program is not part of my life. It is my life. The change is dramatic, and I am still changing continually, just as long as I do the work and enlarge my spiritual breathing. I inhale God, and I exhale self. I practice this. And what I practice, I become good at. So I need to watch out for what I practice. I used to view my life as a painting in a frame, but I never bothered to see the painting because I would focus on the scratches and nicks on the corner of the edge of the frame. I never saw the painting. I never saw the beautiful gold frame around the painting. I am learning to step back and take a look at the whole picture and the frame and admire the beauty. As I grow stronger in my program, I learn to take a few steps back and I am able to see more of the painting. Today, I am able to view myself as a delicious apple and when taking a bite, I can pass a few rotten spots and get to the core of my being as beautiful. Wow, this is my recovery. Coming from chaos to serenity because I have changed my way of thinking from I to we, I have a lifetime partnership with God. When challenges, when challenges come up, I pause and breathe. I create that sacred space separating me from my conflict. Now God can enter and guide me through that specific emotion, thought, feeling that was eating at me. We stop the emotion before it devours me and spits me out. So I take action. I take responsibility. I am guided by spiritual principles and not by my emotions. I am finally growing up. I am maturing into a responsible and useful being. I am moving away from having my emotions govern me. I no longer ride the emotional roller coaster. I have leaped from there onto sailing in God's sailboat. I am on a voyage now sailing smoothly. I get to experience tranquility and appreciate moments of silence. I appreciate my senses, engage with the present moment with serenity and peace, love and warmth. I listen for his guidance and how to sail over rough waves when they come my way. 
I am being taught that I can change the boat's direction according to the wind, that I don't have to fight and go against the wind. Another way to describe my recovery is being transformed from a caterpillar who once was lonely, cold, and wet, furry and fat, crawling its way into a darkness of the dirt, going in different directions, trying to find a way out. This coming out of a cocoon as a beautiful, colorful butterfly that was set free to fly. Wow. I don't live in the past where resentments live, and I don't live in the future where fears are created. I don't visit places where God doesn't exist. I don't ever want to be that person I used to be. I don't ever want the fruits that triggered me and kept me a prisoner. I don't ever want to revisit old thoughts, emotions, and attitudes. What I do is exactly what I need to do, and that is to have a personal relationship with God, to love him with all my heart, to be a vessel for him and make a difference for others to continue to grow spiritually. I learned that everything has a beginning and an ending. With my meals, there is a start and an end. What a concept. Who would have thought of that? There is a beginning and an ending with my thoughts and feelings. I think and feel them with God. I don't have to live in anger, fear, and resentment. I work through them and come on the other side of it, and it ends. Wow. And when I do revisit those thoughts and feelings each time, I work on them. They get a little smarter, a little less intense, and I don't spend too much time there. My new ways of daily living. I wake up every morning thanking God for waking me up and asking him to direct my thoughts, words, and actions. I ask, what can I do for you today, God? I internally dress myself with gratitude, love, and humility. I pray and meditate. I have a prayer line every morning. I listen to a vision for you every single morning. I eat breakfast and I exercise. I have already taken care of my mind, body, and spirit for the morning with the right nutrients. It's yummy and it's satisfying. Now I am ready to face the rest of the day. Throughout the day, I continue to have conscious contact with God. I weigh and measure my food, my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, keeping my emotional temperature at a peaceful degree. When I weigh my foods, it gives me boundaries and I don't have to think about it. But I do train my eye to see how much each portion should look like. I use the scale as a helpful tool, but try not to depend on not, but try not to depend on it. Food today has a different purpose in my life. I have a wonderful relationship with food. I no longer use it as a drug of choice. Instead, I respect it and allow it to do its job which is to nourish my body. I eat a lot of different foods that come from Mother Nature or God's hands rather than man's hands. I really enjoy my foods. I get very creative and I have fun with them. My family and friends love the dishes I come up with. I measure my thoughts and feelings. They are monitored throughout the day. I spot check and when selfishness, resentment, fear, and dishonesty crop up, I ask God at once to remove them. I talk it over with someone immediately and if I've harmed anyone, I make amends quickly, and I reach out to help others. This way, I move further away from self and closer to God. I go to church and, I, and Bible study groups. I grab opportunities for spiritual growth. For example, since my Greek Easter is in, coming up in May, I am on a spiritual journey for 40 days. I talk to my sponsor and I carry the message daily by talking to my sponsees and by reaching out to newcomers. I go I go to face-to-face -face meetings, and I do service. I bring my therapy dog, Fergus, to the hospital twice a week to visit patients. 
I created a program with the hospital's behavioral health center. We sit in a circle and discuss recovery and about God. Fergus and I also uh, make a difference for children at the library. We've created a reading program, a safe and loving space in which the kids love and enjoy reading to Fergus. Doing service is my way of expressing gratitude for all the blessings and gifts that I was giving and putting them into use to make a difference for others. This is God's grace working through me. At night, I review my day. I ask God to forgive me for anything that I have done wrong and ask to be shown the next day how to correct my wrongs. I don't ask why things happen anymore, but I ask what God wants me to learn from my circumstances. There is no need to carry anything over to the next day. Once again, there's a beginning and an ending to everything. My slate is clean for the day, and now I can peacefully go to sleep with a smile and wake up with a new beginning. Wow. My goal is to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. If I can do this with God, then I can do the same with myself and others. And I would always have peace because God is love and love is God. Again, just as long as I never let go of his hand, which I do sometimes, but it gets uncomfortable and I nudged to grab his hand once again. Recently, I was struggling with my memory, so my sponsor made me come up with a list of 20 things that are positive about my disability. Oh, my God, I didn't want to do that because that was my story. I had to pray and call on my fellows and ask to help me because I was being blocked. Well, I ended up with more than 20 things on the list. I am so grateful to her for helping me once again to turn to God and my fellows for help. But the best part was I had another revelation. My focus shifted off of my learning disability. Instead of talking about my recovery, I would act out my recovery. Actions speak louder than words. Wow! This was so powerful for me. And what a challenge God has given me. I needed a spiritual guided mind that comes from my heart. Just the way my thoughts used to consume me in food 24-7, well, it's the same energy in recovery. My thoughts are consumed in God 24-7. I made that shift. I shifted gear. I changed position. I went from zero to 180 degrees. I relocated my heart. I changed direction. I refocused. I came from a foundation of sand to a solid rock. I have replanted myself in new soil. I was searching all these years for peace. It's as if I lost it and I was trying to find it. I finally had I, I finally I finally realized I had to give peace so I can receive it back. This was so profound for me. So what I've learned is what I want something, I need to give it in order to receive it. I am grateful that God is doing for me what I could never do for myself. My drive is to be a better eating today than I was yesterday. Self-centeredness led me to a dead end. Today, it's about living for God and others and practicing my principles in all my affairs. Today, I am mindful. I no longer carry my problems and food in my head. I replaced it with the program, and I carry the message and the word of God to those who still suffer. By simply surrendering to my powerlessness, I became empowered through the grace of God. I have rebuilt myself in God has and with his principles. As long as I follow the simple instructions outlined in this awesome big book, I will continue this journey of living a harmony with God, myself, and others. I have found my inner peace, and I am sharing it with the world. I have become whole. What I feel inside, I am outside. I no longer live a double life. 
What I focus on is what I practice is what I become. I choose to focus on God. How much time do you devote to God throughout your day? Which master do you choose to spend your day with? Or should I ask, which wolf are you feeding? Love, peace, and blessings to all of you. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you very much, Irini, for sharing your story of transformation with us this morning. Greatly appreciated. And now we open the line up for any questions anyone might have to direct to Irini. And you can do so by pressing star 1 to unmute. Hello, this is Kate. Kate, Hi, good morning. Hi. Um, I don't really have a question. I just wanted to thank you so much, Amy, for what you shared today. I heard so much of my story and so many things that I needed to hear today that, I mean, just really are helping me refocus on my path to God. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate that. This is Patricia. May I ask a question? Of course. Go ahead, Patricia. Um, I just want to know. Um, in um, you, I love the story. It, it, oh my goodness, it was just so powerful. Um, but it's not a story. Your life. But anyways, the twenty minutes that it time that takes you to eat. How much food is food? Would you? Is that like how much food um, does it take to twenty minutes? That's all. Thank you. Um, well, well, I have my um, my protein. I usually have three ounces of protein. I have eight ounces of cooked vegetables. I have eight ounces of salad, and um, I have my um, around three or four ounces of starch. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Susan. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Leah and Irini. Thank you so much. You you so touched my heart with with what you shared. What I'm going to ask is um is more detail on something you shared and it and it may be something personal that you want to keep close to you, so please feel free to decline. But um you shared about uh the the list of all the things that um that that were the positives associated with i believe you refer to it as your your learning disability and and i find concrete examples really helpful to me in my learning so um if you're comfortable with it could you share any that that you choose to of 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 what you were able to uncover with the help of your fellows and your higher power thanks um, let me let me understand the question. Um, you you want to know what my learning disability is? 
No, no. I think, and I might have misunderstood you, perhaps due to my own learning disability or understanding disability, but I thought I heard you say that your sponsor asked you or with the help of your fellows, you uncovered some of the positives associated with something which I I understood to be your learning disability, but I might have misunderstood. And I wanted to know some specifics, if you were comfortable sharing it with the group. Right, right. Yes, um, well, that it um, that it uh, it made me more organized because I, I I always have to write things down because I can't remember things. Um, it made me um, be very um, focused on what I had to do. Um, I can't think of this off of my top of my head right now, but um, I can find the list and I can get back to you. <laughs> um, but it has made me um, it has made me uh, right now I'm going blank to be honest with you, but I could um, take your name num down and, and get back to you on that. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and I, I can relate to that because if someone asks me a question off the cuff, because uh, I have the same kind of a thing, I, I might go blank as well. So I, I hope, I hope you, can, you can be okay with that because uh, I've, I've come to be okay with it too. So thanks. This is Paula. Paula, go ahead. Thank you. Hi. I am so privileged to have heard um, a life transformed in such detail. And you know, honey, you might have went blank, but you never went blank during that beautiful, beautiful rendition of that story of who you were and what you are and the voice. I mean, but I have to tell you, when you said you set the alarm and then you pause, I kept thinking of the big book, We Pause. And isn't that the truth? The first thing I do is zip out of bed, not anymore, but in that pause. And all the clues you gave on how what you did, I just want to say, uh, because it's sometimes it's such a mystery to us, such a mystery. How do we come out? And you explained in detail what happened and when it happened. And I just want to say, ooh, thank you, thank you, and thank you. And with that, I would say I pass. Thank you, Paula. Good morning, Mrs. Randy. Can I can I ask a question? Hi, Randy. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for your story. It's very powerful, and I wanted to know exactly. Um, what you abstain from as far as food goes? Um, I abstain from sugar and flour and and fat, and um, I don't do any um, sweeteners, and um, I don't do any processed foods. I I eat a very clean diet. Um, I. I can I can only explain it as eating foods that come from God's hands as opposed to foods that come in packages that are manufactured with man's hands. So um, I that's how I, I I eat a very clean 
um, I don't want to call it a diet. It's a way of living, really. And it's, it's, um, it's a great way to live. So, um, that's, that's, that would, that's what consists with my foods. Thank you. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Uh huh. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Randy, for the question. Anyone else this morning? Questions for Irini? This is Rebecca. Rebecca, go ahead. Hi, Irini. What a nice time. Thank you so much. You're very, very inspiring and uh, also very thorough. Um, And I have been thinking a lot and talking to another member of our group about the notion of praying for willingness. And I was wondering, do you pray for willingness? Or I've been grappling with whether we're just supposed to have willingness and then pray for God's will, or whether it's okay to ask God for willingness. And I was wondering what you thought about it. Well, we ask God for anything and everything. And if, and if you need to ask for willingness, you go right ahead and ask for willingness. Um, it's, um, it's what one is feeling. I, I don't ask I, I, it's it's so in me my willingness that um, I, I focus on other things. Um, maybe at the very beginning when I was desperate, um, I asked for willingness. But um, we ask God for everything and anything um, to you know to be open to whatever we're asking for, and willingness is. Um, for sure, of course, if you need to ask, absolutely. Thank you, Irene. That's very reassuring. You seem so confident about your answer, and that makes me feel good. <laughs> now pass. Thank you, Rebecca. I appreciate that. Good morning, Ms. Duke. I'd like to share. Hello, this is Russ Hands. One moment, please. Uh, thank you, Rebecca, and good morning to you, Duke. Go ahead. Hi, Irene. It's Roxanne. And Roxanne, I believe. So do first, please, and then we'll go to the next question. Thank you. Good morning. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, I don't have a, a question, but I, I so relate it, Irene, to your, your story and I tell you, I'm someone that has a a disability myself, um, quite a little different from yours, but you know, it's all it has to do with um memory and recalling things and um so I relate a lot to what you were saying and a lot to your story. Um I absolutely am <laughs> my my mouth dropped, my jaw dropped as you were telling your story because it was so eloquent and it's so beautiful and it was so well put together and I would never ever if I didn't know you intimately I would have never ever known that you had a disability um, 
you know, because that's how, how well you came across. And um, I so loved your story, loved your experience, loved, you know, everything that you had to say about where you've been, where you've come, and how far you've come. And I'm so privileged to be trudging this road with you and, you know, having to know you and actually um, getting to know your story because I think this is, you know, as long as I've known you, I, I don't think I've ever heard your full story. <laughs> so okay. it was so good just to hear you and to know what you've been through because it just puts a lot of things into perspective for me. And, you know, I'm on this journey myself and, uh, you know, I'm trying to get to, to the other side myself and um, and I'm close to getting there. But, you know, I still still got a ways to go. And so I, I just related to a lot that you said, you know, about connecting with God and making him the, the focal point of your life and, you know, just how to do that, you know, how to how to go about that. And I heard so many different ways on how you do that on a daily basis that it was so encouraging for me to hear that today. And, you know, and I was taking notes as to, you know, other things that I might, I might miss um, that I that I can improve on, and so I'm so grateful that you said your story and you said your experience, and I'm grateful to be one of your friends and um, and keep up the good job, girl. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> With that, I pass. Thank you, Du. Thank you so much. Thank you, Du. And our next question, please. Hi, this is Shanna. I had a question. Go ahead, Shanna. I um I've dealt with depression my whole life, even as a child. And um I was wondering once you started program and working on your thinking, how how long it took you to to be able to learn how to take yourself out of the negativity and, and back into the positive. Well, I've been in program for six years. I've been recovered for one year. Um, Ever since I started the program, um, I started to um, slowly, it was a slow journey uh, for me to um, take myself out of um, my depression. Um, I had to practice many of things. Um, I had to self-talk and I had to... I, I dove into um, the Word of God, which um, really, really saved me. And it was through the, throughout the six years that um, took me out of the depression. So it's um, it's a true miracle. It really is a true miracle. I, I am I am I I'm not I don't take medication for anything anymore. I am set free from all those negative things. And, yeah, they do crawl back, but I don't live in them. I, I, I don't live in them. They, they come back. I try to deal with them, and I, and I hold on to God's hand, and I get to the other side. And each time I do deal with them, they do get smaller and smaller. And, and it's all progress, and it's not perfection. And... Um, you know, we, we're never going to get to perfection. It's, we're always going to be working at it. 
And um, the only thing that we can work 100% is that step one. Um, I hope I answered your question, Shanna. Thank you. Hi, Irini. Thank you, Hi. Leah, this is Mary Lou. Mary Lou, go ahead. I'm a recovering compulsive eater. Thank you so much for your um, beautiful, articulate um, description of your journey. Um, I was wondering if you can describe to me the process of working with your sponsor through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and and describe what that was like on a week-to-week basis as you were going through the steps, um, like the mechanics of it. Um, I worked the steps a couple of times in Alcoholics Anonymous, meeting with someone once a week and going through it line by line in the columns and, you know, the Joe and Charlie, and then another time just through, purely through the first 164 pages of the book. Um, this time around, uh, I'm just wondering if you can describe what it looks like to actually take the steps with a sponsor? Do you have a pen in hand? Is it over the phone? Did you meet them in person and go line by line as you were doing your fourth and fifth and your ninth? Can you describe what that process was like for you? And then following, and then finding a food plan that works for your body, for you, how you found that. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Um, sure. Um, my sponsor took me uh, through the big book. Um, she started with um, first. We started on um, the journey of step one, um, which was um, it was a book called A Good First Step. And at the same time, I had to also read the doctor's opinion. Um, and I would read and uh, write what I um, would comprehend with it, and then I would go over it with her. And uh, not only that, but I had to actually, whatever I was learning each day, I had to act it out or implement it or actually um, carry it through me throughout the day. It wasn't just um, getting on the phone with her for an hour and, and, and talking and then just going my own business. I had to literally um, understand what I was reading and um, actually kind of like walk the talk and um, because I needed to shift each day and I felt my shifting. It, it was it was so unbelievable. Uh, and the reason why I felt it is because I was acting out what I was reading or what, whatever I was um, experiencing. And um, so I did that throughout um, throughout all the steps. And with my food plan, I uh, years ago I did go to um, a nutritionist because. Um, even before the program, um, because I had my fibromyalgia, I had to find a way to um, manage my um, this disease that I had. It, it, it's an overload on, on my body, um, on my muscles. And so I slowly throughout the years, um, even before program, I was very, uh, I wasn't, I was trying not to eat sugar and white flour. You know, and this started back in '88 for me. Um, so um, it was all a process. I ended up putting a food plan together that really worked for me, and that made me feel good. And um, 
so through experience and experimentation and through the nutritionist and through the guidance of um, what is required on, on a daily basis and my food and, and my, according to my weight and my body type and my activity, I was able to come up with a food plan um, that suit my uh, needs. Did I answer your question? Yes, beautifully. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Anyone else? Questions for Irini? Go ahead. Hi, it's Carolyn from Massachusetts. Hi, Irini. I just want to say thank you so much. I got so much out of your share this morning. And I, I just, knowing you personally, want to say I love you and thank you. Thank you, Carolyn. I love you, Uh, good morning. This is Lois. Uh, could I could I um, say something? Of course. Thank you, Carolyn. Go ahead, Lois. Hi. Good morning, um, Leah, and and um, also to you. Oh my God! I just forgot your name. I know. Well, I'm so sorry, and I wanted to say so much. Thank you so much for your loving service. I could I could hear that and feel that. And I know that when things are spoken from their heart, they're felt in the heart. So thank you for your thoroughness as well. And I also wanted to say that I, I also had the pleasure of meeting you in Atlanta, so and I remembered um I remembered you, so it was really nice to put a face with your story this morning. Thank you very much for your service. And thank I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lois. Hi, this is Kathleen in Northern California. Can I ask a question? Of course. Go ahead, Kathleen. Thank you so much, Adini. Um, I just loved your story, and I appreciate especially the honesty you had about your learning disability. I, too, have to write everything down to remember it, and it's very frustrating sometimes. And to know that I can do this program and sponsor people and still have that issue gives me great hope. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you had mentioned about going to a retreat, and I was just curious about that. Do they have those very often? Where are they? And um, if you can answer that, that would be great. Thank you. Um, it, it, it really depends on, you know, certain groups. They have um, retreats. This, this group happened to have uh, an annual uh, a retreat, and... Um, um, and I and I went on it, um, there, but there's so many uh, groups. There are different groups that have retreats. Maybe someday Vision for You can have a retreat. Who knows? You know. Um, but um, so, are you talking about a retreat that the a Vision for You group had? Um, it um, it was with another group um, oh, okay. before a Vision for You. Oh, okay. Um, first. <laughs> yes, it was another group. Um, okay, thank there you. Are, yeah. Thank you. 
Thank you, Kathleen. Thank you, Kathleen. Good morning. Do you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Good morning, this is Rosanna. I just want to Hi, say Rosanna. hello, Irene, and I want to say thank you so much. You are beautiful inside and out, and I have had the pleasure of being in your presence, and it is, um, it is a privilege. You're beautiful inside and out. With all our mess-ups, you know, God has really put together a masterpiece, and I just want to let you know that I love you. Take care. Thank you, Rosanne. I love you, too. Thank you, Rosanna. Anyone else questions for Edini regarding the program of recovery or anything that she shared? Hi, Leah. This is Philomena from South Jersey. Hi, Philomena. Go ahead. Hi. Um, Harini, I just want to say, wow, back at you. That was just amazing, spiritual, and uplifting. Um, went to a service last night, and it was just that was another wow moment in my life to connect with God and to get on this morning. Woke up just in time to um, to hear everything that you said, and it was so spiritually connected to your to your God. And I I just um, I'm sitting here in awe to know that um, just to stay in the path of the spiritual part of this program is the answer. And I just want to thank you so much for um, for your share. And it was just, um, I have a problem comprehending also, and I comprehended every word that you said. And I do, last night I connected with, with God and held on to his hand. And I am just so grateful that, I know that I can turn and call you when I have questions and love and tolerance that you will return and uh and answer my questions and I just and that goes for anybody on vision for you and I I just feel free to be able to do that and thank you so much and uh, God bless you all. Thank you Selena. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Lisa. Thank you, Philomena. Go ahead, Lisa. Hi, Edimi. Uh, could you tell me how you spell your name? Yes, it's um, E-I-R-I-N-I. Yes, um, thank you. And I had some questions. Um, I was recently diagnosed with lesions on my brain, and I sound like you sound like you have all the same symptoms of what I've been dealing with my whole life, and I was wondering how they found out that you had lesions on your brain and if it was um, something that you've, you know, dealt with this. Maybe we just need to talk on the phone. I'd love to get your phone number, but I'm just very intrigued how God works with this whole issue because I also have the symptoms of fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue all through my life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, I, because I, I, it was... Um, because of all the problems that, you know, uh, I was having with um, when people would talk to me or any kind of information that was uh, trying to go into my brain, I 
I never uh, was able to grasp it 100%. Only certain parts of the information would go into my head. So there was something always very wrong. Um, I'm not able to retain it, not to decode it. So I just started to um, go to several doctors, and then finally um, um, the, the neuro neurologist had suggested to take an MRI of my brain, and um, and that's how it was discovered um, that. Um, there were lesions um, throughout my whole brain, and that was interfering with um, me processing information. And the way I was not born like this, um, they said uh, I must have had a bad infection that leaked into my brain, or that, uh, like, the, or some kind of accident that I had as a child that I can't even remember. Um, what happened, um, and I have to monitor every two to three years in case these lesions, um, to make sure that they're, they're not growing. So they're like little little ulcers throughout my whole, around my brain, that uh, little white spots. And so that's how. Um, yes, and can I ask you about your food plan? I, I also weigh and measure, and I was wondering if, being abstinent and weighing and measuring and keeping a really clean food program has helped your comprehension and your ability to function as far as your um, emotional um, attitude as well. Absolutely. Um, yes, um, my abstinence has helped me um, to have uh, clarity in, in my thinking, but mostly it's, um, it's and who is behind my abstinence? It's God, really. So um, it's God that has given me everything and everything and, and anything and everything that I need. And um, I would have never thought that I could even be capable of being a speaker or sharing my story or or answering questions or being a sponsor or anything like that. My memory has improved, I have to say. Um, my memory has improved, and um, I really believe that it's going to get even better um, because God works in many ways, and he works miracles. Um, so even though the doctor looked at me straight in the eye, and when I asked him, what can I do? I'm so desperate. I'll go back to school. I'm willing to take any training program. He looked at me straight in the eye and he said, no, you have to accept who you are. You're not going to be able to do this because of your neurons. And that will connect it. And he discouraged me. And I was devastated. But I, I held on to God. I said, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do it with God. And he's going to help me. So um, I, I, I am... I am on the road with him, and wherever God wants me to be, I will be. So I'm, I'm doing the best that I can through God. And that's, wow. um, I hope I answered your question. Wow, I, I just had one more. That's so inspiring to me personally. This has been such an uplift for me. Do you do fruit at all? Or do you try and stay away from sweet as if, like you had a candida or a yeast infection? You know how candida or fungal yes, stuff? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I do eat fruit, yes. I do eat fruit, but I do not eat dry food. Like no dried fruit. All yeah. right, thank you so much. It's been very You're inspiring. Do you, will you be giving your phone number out at the end? Yes. All right, thank you. I'm going to pass. Sure. Thank you. 
Thank you. Anyone else before we close up shop this morning? Hello. Yes, Hello. Raquel. Yes. Hi, this is Rachel. Hello, Rini, Rini oh. and I, Leah, and all my friends there. Well, this was so, so wonderful, so wonderful. I don't want to take much time, but with all my excitement, I, I went to get the big book where Dr. Silk was, had the answer to all our questions of this wonderful, wonderful recovery where he said, what with our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well equipped to apply the power of good that lies outside our synthetic knowledge. This is the work of God. He made your mind, and he's the one who is molding it like, 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 like Play-Doh. It's incredible. I'm sorry, you know, it may sound so, um, you know, stark to say Play-Doh, but that's how I ask him in step six, take whatever is in me, uh, the step seven prayer, the good and the bad, I don't even know because my my good qualities have some bad in them and some bad qualities have some good in them. Just take the whole shebang and remold it with your loving hands. And that's what he's doing. And it's beyond the synthetic knowledge of, of all the doctors. And I identify with you so much because I got off of antidepressants after 38 years. I probably wouldn't have survived without them, even just believing that I'm getting some help, you know, even if they didn't do anything. But um, my journey is very much like yours, and uh, I want to thank you so, so much for this very wonderful share that you did. And you're probably not any disabled, but... We are all in God's special Olympics, I believe. All mankind, but especially us. But I feel so lucky that he took me, he picked me out of the crowd, and you and all the people on this line to bring us these solutions. And God bless and thank you so, so much, all of you, for being there. And I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And. I will close this morning's meeting with the way we always close our meetings here at A Vision for You, and that's from page 164. And before I do that, of course, I want to thank our speaker, Irini. Thank you so much for all that you offered this morning to us on the line, your story, your experience, strength, and hope. Very clear. A number will be given, be given after the recording. Thank you very much. A uh, very clear story of transformation, a clear contrast between disease and recovery, and we thank you, Irini. And from page 164, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. 
Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>